0: Good morning! You're listening to Morning Musings on Divine Mercy Radio with Matthew Hogan. And now, here's Matthew. Good morning everyone, welcome back. And today I'm joined by Bill Mayer, and we're gonna talk a little bit to start about how technology can be used for good. So my opening question for you is how can we use technology for good in some ways?
1: The good side of it is I think through like Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a in a year podcast and, and mm-hmm. those things, more people have read cover to cover the Bible in the last two years than have in probably a hundred years before that because of his numbers and how many stuck with it. And so, I mean, that's an amazing thing right there. I, I give my wife a hard time because when I read the Bible, I read it from the very beginning <laughs> to the very end and, uh, and I would not recommend that way of doing it, but that's hard and I slugged through it and it, it, you know, it took me some time. And she just listened to about 20, 25 minutes a day and read through the Bible and had great knowledge and great understanding when she got done. It can be used for and the same way with the uh, the catechism in a year. How many people have actually picked up the catechism and read that thing? But now there are, which is cool. On the flip side of it, though, there's a concerning side of the polarization of social media where it divides people. And and that probably is my biggest concern about social media is when you talked about Big Brother or you talked about whoever's pulling the strings behind social media, they can pretty well divide you however they want you to and Mm -hmm. put people into divisions and you didn't ever notice that it happened. And I think they're pretty good about creating those sort of things. And so that's, that's probably the most concerning side to me is just the ability to divide others.
0: Well, yeah, because like the algorithms, as we mentioned, too, is the algorithms are designed to make people go where they're most addicted to. And if a person is politically right, for example, that's where it's going to take them. It's not going to show them politically left-leaning things. It's not going to show them opposing ideas. And the other side is just going to be made out to be bad and evil. And it's the same if you're left-leaning. You're going to get exactly what you want. Or if you're falling somewhere in the middle, politically, if you go on to social media and look for politics and you fall into the center, you're going to get stuff that is tailored to you you're not gonna get right or left leaning, and so everybody becomes increasingly isolated on a political spectrum, and it goes from, like, as a history major, where I study history, I can see a time in the United States where people have... we've always had a two-party system, but consistently throughout the years, even though there would be divisions and some hatred on both sides, they could sit down and talk to each other. But that's becoming increasingly more difficult, where you see all of these things also online, where it's people who are left or right, and they're just in the face of people of, uh, who oppose them or are talking about how they don't think they could sit down and have a good conversation with someone who opposes them politically. And it's like, how did we get here? And I think a big part of that has been the internet and has been social media.
1: Yeah, I think, and since you're a history guy, you know, I think we've always had ways that people manipulated us and we didn't know it. So propaganda, you know, especially like Germany was was really good at propaganda during World War II. Russia was really good at it when it was the USSR. I think that if you go back in our own history, whoever printed the presses, you know, you look at even the Federalist papers and some of those sort of things. There's been propaganda all the way through that has manipulated people into ideas and beliefs, but we've never had such a great ability to do that. And and now I think if you want to manipulate people, you could sit back and just for fun turn the dial different directions and watch them get worked up just for fun on both sides of it because they get so inundated with it. I think that's why you see so many crazy lash out things right now in society is because people have gotten so angry in, in their echo chamber that they're not themselves and they've got to get away and take a break and step back before they can become back to themselves. And the problem is, again, like you said, there's no dialogue. It's just shouting at each other and hoping that someone is going to change. And and the reality is that's not going to happen. Now, is there a group out there that is excited to watch? Doesn't matter whether you're left or right, but you're just shouting and they take care of whatever they want to while everybody's distracted. I, I don't know. I, I think there's there's always been a reason why people get distracted. And uh and, and you got to pay attention to what's going on. And and I, that's why I thought that letter uh did such a great job from the Vatican. You know, it asked the question all the way through, and I thought the Good Samaritan was such an awesome example that they used, but who is your neighbor? You know, it is the guy who disagrees with you on social media. It is the person that you don't know who it is all the way around the world that said something bad to you. It is the critic or or your best friend. Who is your neighbor? It is every one of them. That's hard for us to remember.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Germany in World War II, which it's actually really interesting because one of the classes that I took within the last couple semesters was the Holocaust with Dr. Paul Baxa down at Ave. Incredibly eye-opening class, and obviously the main focus was on the Holocaust itself, but there is an Im- really there was a very large section of the early class where we just talked about Germany and what got Germany to that point, because it's a shocking point that they ended up getting to, but how does your normal German citizen end up allowing that to happen? Or at the very least being like, because like everyone was aware of it yeah. in Germany. We can reasonably say that everyone was aware of what was going on. Most people in Germany were okay with it during that time, and how does it get there? It was the propaganda, it was the distractions, and there were even words that we use today that are good examples of like Heimat, which is the German word for like homeland. It's not a great translation, but it's very much a sense of like home and sense of like togetherness and family. And that was one of the major things that the Nazis pushed throughout the entirety of their campaign and helped a lot of people get on board with that because they felt that that had been something that had been missing in Germany recently. And the Nazis stressed things like that at the forefront of their campaign. And so when the Germans were like, okay, but in order to achieve that, we have to all acknowledge together that the Jews are evil, a lot of people were just like, okay, whatever. And it was terrifying what came out as a result of that because people were willing to just give away that so easily at that point. Now, there were still people who opposed it, still good Catholic priests and bishops who fought it the entire time, some of whom lost their lives in the process, but it's still just terrifying how so many people were willing to go along with such a terrible thing when they just had some distractions. That's one of the biggest things that we've already acknowledged that social media is doing to people is distracting them, which is terrifying.
1: Yeah, it it really worries me because, and and I'm not a fan because it's such a terrible time, but I I do like to study that whole situation as just an understanding, same as you, how a group of people allowed that to happen. But my worry is, is there another thing headed our direction that we're not going to notice coming for the same reasons? And so I think it's important for us to pay attention to where we're getting moved to and why we're getting moved that direction, because there is a lot of trying to get people to hate a group and it doesn't, you know, name a group and Catholics are in that group. Group as well. There's certainly anti Catholic information and rhetoric that is out there in our country right now and, and I think it's something we need to be to pay attention to and, and to be able to step out of when that when that situation comes up. I think that to kind of maybe shift gears a little bit
0: is a lot of people I've heard as a good response to the chaos in social media and society has been to really focus on personal, intentional relationships and getting and doing things that are actually active in real life. And you work closely with that, I think, is both with your connections with the schools and with sports.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree 100% with you. One of my biggest concerns, just to dab just last second in social media, is the the relationship is so important, whether it's with people or with God. And social media can never give you that relationship with God, but it can give you a lot of knowledge and information about God. And so one of my biggest fears is we're going to get really well-catechized people that don't have a relationship with God, and that's not going to do anything for them. And, And I think if you look in our parishes today, what is missing is a prayer relationship with God, an authentic relationship that allows the Holy Spirit to work through them, that uh, allows them to have that connection and those graces. And so I think that's that's one of the things. So when we talk about social media doing really good at helping us evangelize, we got to be really careful because it only allows us to catechize, but it doesn't help us to bring relationship to them. Similar as a... As a uh, that's why we have the Eucharistic Revival Movement, though. And that's absolutely. why that's so
0: powerful and incredible is because it really helps people engage with Jesus in the Eucharist, which is probably the only thing that's keeping my generation in the Catholic Church at this
1: point. Yeah, that's a good point, though. And and you know what? That's this is a terrible. Like if Bishop Vinkie listens, he's gonna you know backhand me. But that's our social media to a certain extent because in that moment we are connected with the entire church. That's communion in full communion with the church, and that is our connection and our relationship with everybody. And so there is a beautiful element of that, and I think that's why young people do respond to the Eucharist and understand the Eucharist maybe in ways that people my age don't because we didn't grow up with the social media and the communion and the connection. But again, that's an incomplete example. But but it is an interesting thought. It, it is something. It's a concept that like. I think in the church and one of the things that the document that
0: the Vatican recently released, I think says is we have we have to ask questions. We're going to have to research this. We're going to have to put thought to this. But there is potential good that can come here. And we just need to figure out what that is and how to best utilize it. We will now return to the Sunrise Morning Show.